When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the No Bad Dogs podcast with me, Tom Davis, America's canine educator. Thank you so much for taking your time out to listen to me talk and have friends on to the show. Today, I have a guest, KD Matthews. Um, KD Matthews and I met through a colleague slash friend slash client, and um, we can go a little bit more in depth on uh, how things went after that here in a little bit, but... Uh, KD is a trainer, and uh, he's really great at what he does, and he provides a lot of uh, great messages for people who either need to hear it or don't want to hear it, but either way, he puts his message out there regardless, and I love him for that. So we're going to give a call and talk about dogs and keep you guys uh, occupied while you're doing whatever the hell you're doing and um, teach you some stuff about dogs and have a conversation. So here we go. Hello. Hello, 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 hello. How are you? I am excellent, man. A lot warmer than you. How are things up there? Oh, my gosh. Um, so, Saki, we just got, like, between a foot and a half to two feet of snow in some places right around me. And it's cold. It's zero degrees. And so, uh, we're live, by the way, so we're recording. Um, so, earlier, I ran out of oil. <laughs> So not only am I completely covered in snow, but my house ran out of heating oil. So it's zero degrees, dumped on with snow, and I, I'm in my like little office type thing at my house, um, which I've been in all morning, so I didn't recognize the difference. And I walked out in my living room. I'm like, geez, is there a window open? And then I realized that I ran out of oil. So that's what I was doing earlier. I had to go out and get diesel fuel. And anyway, so yeah. Yeah, that's a necessity. <laughs> yeah. Where are you right now? What are you doing? I know you just bought a house. Um, where is it? Yes, I um, after having lived in Tampa Bay area for, gosh, over 10 years, I am now an hour north in a Hernando County, two counties north of the dreaded Hillsborough County, which um, was famous last year for being the first uh, jurisdiction in the United States to start to regulate dog training. Really? Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Bad stuff. Really bad stuff for, um, the industry, which ultimately always ends up with bad stuff for dogs. Um, yeah. So yeah, I ran away from there. So I'm about an hour North still service the whole Tampa Bay area. Um, I just service it from a nice comfy new home mm. about an hour North. So, um, so yeah, explain to me that a little bit more. Cause that's the first I heard about that. Um, and that's probably a great topic for the people who are listening to, 
to hear. What What do you mean? So they so they're... absolutely. So here's the story. Um, a a woman had a little. I think it was a Shih Tzu. Um, she had brought it to a boarding slash training facility. I guess they did both. Um, and at some point in time, the the dog died, unfortunately, um, mm-hmm. while in the care of the business. Um, this woman was very well-funded and well-connected and proceeded to begin a movement down here to regulate dog training, meaning all dog trainers have to be approved by the government. At that time, the original legislation that was drafted was also purely positive. Mm. They had gone out with all of those interest groups, gotten a lot of backing, a lot of support, and that was the first big push. Um, It was going to prohibit the usage of any type of corrective tool there, you were going to have to, because I read the first draft and almost fell out of my chair. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it literally told you all the things you couldn't do and then stated you were only allowed to use positive reinforcement as a consequence in any of your training. And, of course, I'm reading that laughing like, wow, I guess you could go to jail if you walk away from a barking puppy because that's not positive reinforcement. That's a negative punishment. Lock me up. Um <laughs> It's and, and there we go. That's a whole other rabbit hole of how these terms are thrown around and no one understands them. And uh, luckily, though, that draft didn't make it. So a, a second draft came up and it didn't specify how you train a dog. What it did say was that all anyone who wants to provide dog training services in Hillsborough County has to go through a process. They have to be certified by some governing body, which, I mean, there's many of them. I mean, like we could start mm-hmm. a web page tomorrow and create a governing body. Um, you have to be certified. Then you have to fill out an application. You have to pay a tax. You have to pay an application fee. Then you have to be reviewed by an arbitrary board of unnamed people who are going to determine whether or not you're allowed to be a dog trainer in Hillsborough County. And then after that, in every client you have, you have to maintain documentation and paperwork where you tell them up front absolutely everything you're going to be doing throughout the course of training, and they have to sign off on it ahead of time. Now, if you need to make a left turn a little bit later or zigzag because, you know, things change, you have to work with the dog that's in front of you, mm. you have to redo all the paperwork, get them to re-sign everything, saying they were aware. Yeah, man. Okay, it, so... So you're telling me uh, in a nutshell that you have to provide documentation to um, some sort of government or or whatever the heck it is, uh, if it's a board or a group or whatever, yes. that uh, has to read over your um, – hold on. Hold on. Uh, hold on one second, Katie. Yeah. Forrest, I'm doing a podcast. Can I call you back? Yes, sir. Love you, bite. You there? Yep. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, my buddy Forrest Mickey, who's also a dog trainer, just called in. That would have been interesting to have him on the board, but I don't know what the hell he's doing right now. But um, sorry about that. So, um, okay. so you have you have um, a board of people that looks at the documentation that you're trying to provide 
is it per dog or is it like your whole training camp? Like this is the way we're going to do it in each individual um, dog. I mean, the how does that work? Is only, the board is only reviewing your application to become a dog trainer. Gotcha. And to be approved to provide services in the county. As far as documentation for individual dogs, that's all stuff that happens per client. And you are responsible for maintaining those records yourself because if at mm. any point in time there's a complaint gotcha. filed against you, you have to provide all of that. Gotcha. Saying, no, I told them I was going to tell the dog no during training. <laughs> like they, they knew we were going to say the word no. They signed it. Mm. So, and it, it's just a big, it, it opens the door. That's my thing is it opens the door for a lot of really scary things that it would be really bad for dogs yes, down the road. I agree. The first thing that comes to my mind, Katie, is that scares the shit out of me. Um, so, mm-hmm. in, but also in my mind, I, so what, what did you do? I mean, obviously I know you made the decision to, to further yourself from that nonsense, but initially were you, okay, I have to fight this because this is absurd or were you like, this is complete garbage. I have to get away from the crazy people because in my mind, I switched back and forth. as you're telling me this, I was switching back and forth of like, should I even try or are they just too far gone that it's not going to be worth it? Well, I, my first reaction was, okay, I got to start writing letters. I got to start showing my face places. Right. When I was finding, by the time it got to me, because I don't watch television at all. I don't watch broadcast television at all. Um, I don't read local me news media. So I found out about this by, um, because I follow um, Ivan Belobinov. For, I, I, my apologies, yeah. I can never say his name. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he, he's local. I mean, he lives like 15 minutes from me. So he, I saw something on his page posting about it. And then I started digging. And then I started finding out about it. And I had just missed, by the time I read it, there was a town hall meeting that was like two days prior to that I had just missed. Mm. And he had been very active at all of it. I started digging back through his feed, and he was all over it. He was speaking at everything, and it was causing, it was, he was able to make zero change. Um, they were completely just ignoring him. And if anyone's going to get up on a stage and talk, I mean, the guy's resume is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was blown off like, like, like he was nobody. At that point, I said, all right, I need to make sure I'm spending my time and energy wisely. Mm-hmm. And then it was, all right, how am I going to now deal with this? How am I going to navigate this? How am I still going to service the dogs that need me in this county um, in, in some type of a, a rational way? And that's when I was like, oh, I'll just move. And have them drive to me. <laughs> yeah, that's sad. So, that's really sad. And so that's that's a really good point because I, I really wanted to talk to you about. Um, and for those of you who don't know who Katie is, he's um, very outspoken about uh, what he does in a good way, and he tells people how it is. A lot of a lot of uh, just, I mean, honest, blunt opinions, and a lot of people need that, and that's what uh, Katie's good at. And so, anyway, I wanted to talk about humans human beings and how they potentially could be damaging dogs in the system. I just went through, I just actually put out a podcast recently about um, similar stuff of like how humans are so like they, they're, we're polluting everything as a human race, right? I mean, that's just a known fact. I mean, we mm-hmm. just are damaging everything, but for some reason it almost seems like dogs get a hall pass 
if you cuddle them and give them treats and give them a nice bed and you say their name really high pitched and these sorts of things. And it just seems like we're humans are trying to do better. Now, with that being said, that doesn't mean that everybody that does that is damaging and doing these things wrong. However, they think that that's what creates a good dog. And I want to talk about that in a minute. But before I do that, I want to go back to what you were talking about, about the person with a lot of money and a lot of ties and a lot of probably hands in the pocket as far as the local government goes, or maybe if maybe not, but close to it, um, I don't know, has the ability to change laws on how they feel as a human emotion they're thinking just on emotion right Mm -hmm. and moving forward from that point if you have a bad encounter or a bad experience somewhere of somebody maybe doing something wrong and that's not to say that this particular because shit happens i mean let's face it in the dog world nobody's a tragedy that this woman's dog died i mean no one can deny that absolute tragedy right no matter if it was um no matter how the circumstances were i mean no dog Mm -hmm. should die under under anybody's care and and to be honest you know it's no matter if it's the dog's a hundred years old and they're on their deathbed when it when when a dog dies it's sad and especially if it dies in somebody else's care so um that's besides the point i think we can all agree that um you know that's sad and that sucks and that's that's misfortune i actually had a client um touching base on this and that's the good thing about podcasting is is we can go as long and talk about all these little rabbit holes because somebody else is listening to us trying to avoid uh, conflict from somebody at an airport so it makes it makes for a good conversation but I had one of my clients um, come in and she boarded our dog with us and they went to Disney um, around Christmas so this was last month and they put their other dog uh, at a different place that the dog was used to or whatever I think it was an older dog and that dog had died second day into their their Disney trip and you said I'm so sorry for your loss that really sucks and of course they got emotional they said yeah it really sucks when you know you're two days into your Disney trip and your dog dies um, mm-hmm. and so it, it sucks but sometimes it happens I mean there's other local and I've and I've made the mistake of being like man that you know what happened at that place you know to be na- naive to say that you know things happen you know and, and and unfortunately when we're dealing with dogs our emotions are so much higher than um, then I think with people, we're on just a different level because we don't, a lot of people don't understand dogs the way that other people do. Anyway, moving forward. So the unfortunate part in the dog community that I want to talk about is the fact that a lot like politics, or maybe exactly like politics, that if you have connections and you, ha- and I've, and I've recently been semi accused, not accused, but um, kind of threatened or strong armed to say, my so-and-so is this, and if you don't do it this way, then something can happen, regardless of the circumstances of like what's right and what's wrong. It's I'm going to potentially do you and your business harm if you don't do the things that I want to do. And so people with money and people with connections and people with, I think, just a lot of balls can say, hey, I'm going to potentially do these types of things. And in this case, this shit actually happened. I mean, this person, again, like you said, like it's unfortunate that the dog died. Obviously, nobody ever on on the planet Earth wants that to happen. But to completely change, I like the movement of changing something after something occurred. I think that that's kind of, that's uh, progressional and that's good. But at the same time, if you're just doing it out of emotion of this one thing happening and changing the lives of other people and other dogs, I think that it's not a fair thing to do. 
I don't know. It's not, it's not rational. Right. It doesn't make sense. So she had a lot of money, and she had these rules changed, and now people such as yourself who may use – I mean, was this any tool, or was this just – what was it? Like you couldn't use what? <laughs> The current legislation, that is the second draft, eliminated the specific, the, the specific regulations on what you do. Thank goodness um, they did amend that. So the final draft does not specify what you can and can't use. It just says you must explain it all mm. up front, which, which isn't necessarily bad. It's, right. it's just the way it's worded. And that's the thing about legislation. People don't understand. I got into some major battles with the recent ban on Florida Greyhound racing here Mm. um, as people were virtue signaling like crazy, like, oh, this is a great thing. This is a great thing. I said, did you read it? Well, I didn't need to. The sign said, save animals. I'm like, yeah, but did you read it? This is legislation. Mm. You know, clickbait is clickbait. Legislation is something different. And you have to sit down and read the boring words that are written in very dry manner Mm. and you have to read it word for word because buried within those words are loopholes buried within those words are open doors that can be walked through at any point in time. And, and that's, that's big. So currently with the, um, with the dog training legislation, they called it the truth and training bill. That was rather clever. Um, you know, it's, it's good to have people, to have trainers having to explain what they're doing. I mean, that's what a good trainer does anyway. They spend mm-hmm. more time explaining to the human than the dog. Um, but it, it's still, my thing was it's a slippery slope. And what's next? Once they prime, it's like they primed us. They primed the public for this type of legislation with this one. Mm. So everyone's pretty lubed up when they want to run the purely positive one through down the road. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? I mean, I, ag- I agree that um, having some sort of, re- I mean, it's good having some sort of restriction and or guidelines in place instead of just willy nilly. Cause that can work with the dog. And of course it can work against the dog because I think, Having, because I've seen it, I've seen it the opposite way, uh, in a negative way, where um, uh, somebody comes in to shadow Joe Schmo and learns how to correct a dog or whatever they think is good, and then they go out and start. I've anyway, I've seen people just start a dog training business out of nowhere, which is, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's different if you if you've gone to school or you've. I have, both of my full time trainers graduated with a bachelor's degree in canine everything <laughs> like they legitimately went to four years of school for it um you know paid a lot of money and graduated and so i've seen other people who just were like well if they can do it then i can do it or whatever and so i want to talk about that slippery slope because you know i, I don't want to be again naive and, and say because i didn't go to school for what i do but i also shadowed a very long time and i worked with as many dog trainers and dog facilities as much as I humanly possibly could before I even accepted a dollar for training. And there's some people who may need these types of regulations, but there's also a lot of people, um, not even myself, but there's a lot of, like some of the best dog trainers on the planet have no schooling. They're just the school of hard knocks. They just learned and they have more education. Um, This could potentially hurt them in the future, if somebody says we need some sort of degree and or we need legislation, 
or documentation of exactly what you're going to do. And for me, and I don't know if this is um, if this is true for you, but if I get a dog in that needs, let's say, a behavior modification type of work or class or package or however you want to put it, I can't tell you exactly what I'm going to do. And if mm-hmm. a government agency is going to tell you that, well, I need it, unless you can't help, by the time you try to fake it till you make it through that process of like, I think I'm going to do this or I think I'm going to do that. And then if you mess up and say, like you said, like I took a left instead of taking a right when I said I was going to take a right, then does that make me not credible or does that make me lose my whatever, my my license or whatever they're trying to go after? Exactly. There's a lot of things that, there's a lot of ways it could go wrong in terms of the application in terms of what's best for dogs. And I, I think no one would argue that anything we can do to ensure that the public is in good hands is, is no one would argue that that's not a good thing. Right. The problem is people get in a rush. And when it comes to legislation, uh, me in particular, I'm very, very cautious about what goes into law. Like, I'd rather take five years to get one draft right than throw something crappy out there early and then spend 15 years trying to undo it. It's much more difficult to undo or amend a law than it is to just make sure it, the right one gets put out first. Right. And people are very hasty. And the reason why people are hasty is something you mentioned earlier and something that absolutely will come up for the duration of this conversation is emotion. And when people are emotional – it's bad things happen because you start making bad decisions. You make decisions based on inaccurate subjective information Mm. and you want it done now. Mm. You want it done now because when you're feeling emotional, generally speaking, uh, a lot of these things we're talking about, they're not good emotions. Your dog passed away. Someone hurt your feelings. These are all emotions that don't feel good. Mm. So what is the natural inclination of any thinking organism, well, I want that not good feeling to go away. And when people are feeling emotional in a way that they find aversive, well, they get kind of hasty to make that aversive feeling go away. And if that means throwing together a law, regardless of how shoddy it may be, or the potential problems it could cause five years from now, they don't care. They just want this feeling to go away now. Mm. And unfortunately, that's not good for the, that's not uh, positive for the greater good. And we have to learn how to regulate that. We have to learn how to regulate ourselves and how we process information in order to have any hope of having a positive influence on others, on our dogs, on society, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I agree, and uh, and it reminds me of if you ever watch uh, Law and Order or any of those criminal mind shows. It's funny when you're watching it and you're like, "Just lock him up." You you saw him do it, you know. You, you think he did it. He has the wig here. Or he has the car here, and there's. But you have to go through the process of like, yeah, but we need supporting details. We need every single evidence booked, logged, regulated, approved that these are actually things that happen. So when the sentencing happens of this is exactly the sentence of this person through this evidence, and this is the bill and law that's going to put this person behind bars and or whatever. I think that that's important because that's how I am. I'm like, you know we did it. Just put them away. You know, I think on emotion because I'm watching a sitcom. I'm watching a drama sitcom, and that's how mm-hmm. I am. And it's the same thing, I think, with people. And so I think moving on to our 
or I guess sliding into our next uh, topic here, or just continuing the conversation, if you will, um, people, too many people, in my opinion, too many people base their decisions off of emotion, not just in these lawmaking, forget the lawmaking um, stuff and things like that, because that's only just happening right there, but it also happens in other countries. But people base their decisions based off emotion, whether it's good or bad for the dog. And so if you're a true professional and you're in it for the dog and somebody has chosen you to, to, to help them with that, um, I've had – I've had – I can probably say in my career I've had, I don't know, maybe, now this is very different from what I talk about in my other podcast, but probably two people, yeah, probably two people ever just really not trust the equipment that I'm using. They're like, I don't know. I mean, usually I'll get, yeah, but it looks like this or it's a this and I said and I walk them through that process and I said I'm glad that you've you've actually brought that up because I want to talk about it because um, it gives me an opportunity to educate and to um, to really erect like no this this actually isn't what you think it is let me explain it to you and then after that they're like oh my gosh that makes so much sense but when I do explain that I've had I think two people that I can remember be like you know what and actually, one of those one of those people that I can remember, I know for a fact, after they went to group class and saw everyone else doing uh, really well, I guess if you will, um, she actually ended d- decided to to use the tool that I uh, recommended for her. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving forward from that, how much how much of that are you seeing? How much of people's opinions and emotions is stopping and or potentially killing dogs? On a micro level, I mean, we're talking about a dog maybe pulling instead of using a tool. But on some levels, I think more importantly, dogs are dying, meaning they're going to the shelter because they're pulling or jumping and then eventually euthanized for for effing jumping, you know, when it could be corrected. Um, so how much of that are you seeing? And can you shed some light on how you feel about that and what it's doing to the dog training uh, community? Absolutely. And you're absolutely correct. Dogs are dying because of it. And it's, it starts out with, there are some examples of just like your ordinary troublesome behaviors that people give up on, like jumping, nipping, chewing, a dog ends up at a shelter. Mm. But there's, there's something even more, and I know you know this because of what you do day in and day out, is the aggression cases. The aggression I have seen in the last 10 years, and I don't even do a lot of aggressive rehabs. Like that's something I'll be getting back into, but I was really picky and choosy for a while just for logistical reasons and other things I was focusing on. Mm. But I still saw it just with my kind of from the sideline seeing a dramatic increase in uh, issues with aggressive behaviors within the past 10 years. And I'm like, what's going on here? And I started seeing how the, the vast majority, and I mean, I'm going to say 99.9% just to play it safe instead of saying 100. Uh, every case of aggress- aggressive behaviors that I saw directly came from a combination of factors, one of the biggest ones being too much affection coming from the human, too much coddling, zero boundaries, zero knowledge of what a dog needs. So that kind of flies in the face of what the 
is pushed from a lot of the shelters and rescues, which is, oh, the dog was beaten and abused. That's why it's aggressive. Actually, no. Right. Like, no. And that's not my opinion. That's a fact that anyone in the business can support who's actually been out there fixing it. No, it's not that the dog was beaten. It's that the dog was treated inappropriately in a different way. And this, you know, we kind of speak, uh, framing this in the context of emotion. It's too many people doing things with dogs that make them feel good. So the reason right. why they do this is because it actually makes them feel good to do it as opposed to it's actually what's best for the dog. And that comes from a combination of two main factors. One is ignorance. And to clarify, there's nothing wrong with the word ignorance. Ignorance is just simply not knowing something. Yeah, I'm lack, very much ignorant. Right. You know, lack thereof. I, I, yeah. Now, willful ignorance. Once you've been provided with an opportunity to get that information and you put your fingers in your ears and you say, no, no, no. Oh, now it's open season on you. Like you can be judged. So we have mm -hmm. people who simply just don't know because dogs don't come with instruction books, which is why I wrote one and I ended up giving it away for free because I just want everyone to have it. Um, they, they don't know, which can be remedied. We can remedy that mm -hmm. by educating them. Mm -hmm. The other thing, though, is a little darker, and that is they actually don't want to know. They don't want to do what's correct because doing what's correct won't necessarily make them feel good. So they cuddle the dog because not really because it makes the dog feel good. I mean, look at his whale eyes, his pinched ears and his licking lips. And he'd probably rather just a scratch under the chin. Mm -hmm. But you got him in a full Nelson because he mm -hmm. loves to be cuddled. No, you got him in a full Nelson, full Nelson because you're an oxytocin junkie. You're getting off on feeling good from that embrace, which I get it. I love dogs. That's why I deal with them because they're cool and they make me feel good. But yeah. I try to respect the nature of the dog first. That's how I'm going to love the dog, by respecting the nature of the dog and understanding their needs. And then whatever I can get out of that myself after their needs are met, cool. But too many people are doing things with dogs simply because, A, it makes them feel good, or B, they're virtue signaling. They are doing things with dogs because they, want, they care more about what complete strangers think about them mm -hmm. than they do actually helping the dog. So, oh, I use a, 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 a harness because, well, I'm a good person, and if I put a collar on him, that would be choking him. So, hey, everybody, I use harnesses. Right. Well, guess what? You know, you're not helping the dog any. You're not actually teaching the dog anything. You're helping him pull you more. But you're broadcasting it to the world on social media because you care more about what these complete strangers think. Right. Make yourself. That's a personal issue, man. Take it that up with your shrink, not with your dog. Right. Like, now, so, and, and, you know, I kind of a couple of things that I know I, I went off, but it, it's. These are dangerous things that are contributing to dogs being mentally unbalanced, behaviorally challenged, and when those two things combine, the dog goes to the shelter and gets put down. Right. So you're you're killing them with kindness, one thing I like to say. Yep. The other thing that you mentioned, which I say in a different way, 
in the same context is basically when you said, um, you know, you don't want to wear a harness because you don't want to get the dirty looks and you think that it's good for your dog. And geez, gosh, that, that really spiky thing with all the sharp razors coming out of it looks terrible. And, 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 and this happens, and, and this is the way that I explain it, in, in a communication way, in a relationship way. This is brilliant that you've brought this up this way is because it's the same concept when I'm training my, a, a, a client. 95% of our jobs of working with dogs and teaching people what the issue is is always, 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 always 95, I would say high 90s anyway, from what I see is people just not understanding what they have, which again, ignorance could – that sort of thing is good. And they and, and the good thing is, is when people come in and they say, oh, I, I, and I know I'm messing up and I'm not doing good. The first thing I say, hey, don't be so hard on yourself. You've made the first step. You're here. So many people have all yeah. these issues with their dogs. You've, you're here. And, and we're going to move forward from here. And you've, you've made the decision to say, you know what, I need, I need to learn how to do this from a professional. And what happens is, is people will do the same thing by talking to their dog for people around them. So when you're training your dog for whatever, sit or um, place or whatever it is, literally anything, we have this, I see people have these conversations for me or for my, 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 uh, my manager at the desk or, or for the person coming in for pickup or something. We say, oh, I, I know you don't want to get up here, but you should and it's going to be fine. And oh, what do you, what do you think? You think that you're, and you, they have these conversations. And the reason why they do it is for other people. They think that they need to break the ice and make things not so comfortable when their dog decides to hump a neighbor's leg. You talk out loud. You just, in your mind, you go, oh my gosh, he's never done that. I'm so sorry. Why is he doing this? Um, are you hungry? Are you tired? All these, all these questions we ask out loud because we're answering, we're basically answering out loud what we think other people are asking themselves, if that makes any sense. And that ru- makes complete sense. And it ruins relationships because of what you... You know, I'll give you a good example. I go to the bank, right? And I pull up and people are just so bizarre. I mean, they're just, Katie, it's just crazy. You know, and and I think the more you understand dogs and the more you work with dogs, especially on a professional level, like even the people who volunteer with dogs get this more than the average dog owner. But if you live it like in the trenches, like we do on a daily basis, and we see dog fights and nasty shit and police work and behavior modification and puppy training and everything. I mean, we're practitioners. We don't do theory. We actually do it, you know? And so it, 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 it blows our mind just as much. And I go to the bank and I pull up, <laughs> and this always this always gets the the um, the, the bank teller because they're looking at me like I'm a freaking weirdo. Meanwhile, I'm looking at them like, well, they go, oh my god, you're so handsome, you know, talking to my 200 pound Saint Bernard hanging out the window, right? And I know that what they're talking about, but I'm like, oh well, you know, thanks. I I actually gained a little bit of weight and haven't shaved in a while, but I appreciate it. And they look at me and they're like, uh, <laughs> what? And I'm like, well. I'm sorry, but were you, did you just say something to me? And they're like, oh my gosh, you know, and they're now, they're, and of course I know what the hell they were doing. Obviously I got a freaking, you know, mascot hanging out the back of my car, but I'm like, and it just, and so the, the, um, just how we are as humans, we just want other people to know how we feel about dogs. We just want everybody to know what we think our dogs are thinking or what we think of them. And we have this really unhealthy just opinion or it's becoming more of a like i always call it like an ideology of it's almost tribism of like this is what we have to do we love our dogs so don't punish them don't correct them don't do anything and 
our communication is the same way what you were talking about with the harness of how you feel selfishly of what you want for your dog. And of course, um, same thing with communication. They sit there and have a conversation with their dog. Sometimes I'll answer. You know, the dog won't sit. Oh my gosh, are you thirsty? And I'll say, no, I'm good. And they're looking straight at the dog, looking at me. I'm like, I'm the weirdo, but you just asked your dog if they were thirsty, expecting a human. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? So I see the same, yep. I see the same stuff in relationships. And one other thing I wanted to add to that is um, I had a, a, a veterinarian that studies um, behavior. I can't remember what it's called, but Myrna Malini. And uh, we can talk about this too, is like you were saying about um, the dog having a bad past. And this is a girl who's, you know, graduated from Ohio State University of, you know, vet school. And uh, she was saying the same thing. When people see these in the arms of the, and they see all these commercials, people wanting money and adopt the dog. Listen, I'm all about adopting dogs out of the shelter. If you want a dog and you have no purpose but to just have a companion, go to the shelter, right? Like that, do it. Like they need homes. Yep. You know, I'm t- I'm so about that. Um, but she was saying our behavior changes as soon as we hear that a dog was neglected, abandoned, or abused, and we treat them differently. And I say the same thing. Some of my worst behavior modification cases have been dogs who have been neglected, abandoned, or abused, and people smother them with everything that they don't need. They need structure immediately. But what do they give them? Kisses, uh, Dunkin' Donuts, McDonald's, love, uh, Tempur-Pedic mattresses, um, you know, a trip to see Santa. <laughs> I mean, they're just like, they're in their minds they almost copy and paste what they would do if they saw a kid that was neglected, abandoned, or abused. And I would, to some degree, agree that those are the type of things you would do with a kid, but not with a dog. They are craving structure and guidance and leadership their whole life, and they're wondering why the person they're with isn't giving it to them. And then when they get to this new home, they look for it again, and then they don't get still what they need. Right? Did you see my post from the other day on Facebook? No. Why did you talk about it? <laughs> Let me look. It, it, it's, it was on my business page, on the KD Matthews coaching page. I did a, uh, a public service announcement regarding bait dogs mm. and this whole bait dog phenomenon. Um, and it started one heck of, a, of an ordeal because of exactly what you're talking about. Um, and this is a growing, growing problem. And I get a lot of, hold on a second. Let me read it out loud. I think I found it. Let me read it out loud. So people know what you're talking about. Yep. Is this the one public service announcement? Your yes. Okay. So I'm going to read it to you guys. Public service announcement. Your rescued bait dog in quotes, doesn't need your empathy or endless cuddles. It needs you first to realize the fact that it doesn't have any scars means the people you got it from lied to you about the dog's past, hoping to trigger your emotions to get you to take the dog. It then needs you to be strong, calm, and emotionally balanced, not a gushing clinger. <laughs> not a gushing clinger. Your dog deserves a human with, with following. Be that person. Oh, so like, yeah, I could I could see why you thought that I read that. But exactly. And that and that's coming from like a behavioral specialist. She said the same thing. She said our minds explode and we act differently 
Like if you get a puppy, you're like, I'm going to develop this thing. I'm going to teach it wrong from right, all this stuff. But when we get a dog that we hear of abused, it's crazy. We just change. We're like, oh my God, just let it do whatever it wants. That's it. See, I would actually, just to play devil's advocate, um, you know, it, it is tempting to say, well, you know, we, we do what we would do with a child with a dog. We shouldn't even necessarily take that approach with humans. Um, to, not to the extreme, but let's face it, pressure leads to power in every environment, in every situation. So the more structure we provide humans or, you know, yes, the child is going to need love, just like the dog. Actually, we're not saying don't love the dog. And for any, anyone listening, you know, get it clear. Neither one of us are saying not to ever give affection. Neither right. one of us are saying don't love your dog. To the contrary, it, loving the dog or loving a child is doing what's best for that child's growth. Mm. or doing what's best for that dog's growth. Now, a lot of people don't know. In addition to training, been around dogs, gosh, training, been around them 20-some years. I've been a public school educator for the last 10. So, like, educating and teaching is, like, whether it's with dogs, whether it's with dog owners, or whether it's with human beings, I, I live it, I breathe it, I sleep it, I eat it, I mm. die from it, like... And I see what happens. The same thing is happening in human in our in our culture where we don't put enough pressure or we don't provide structure. We don't provide routine. We don't provide opportunities for mental fulfillment and for personal growth. We don't we take those opportunities away when we bubble wrap a child the same way we take those opportunities away when we bubble wrap a dog. So there's some this is why. I understand. This is why I get the challenges that my students, like my pet owners, like what they're going through. Mm -hmm. I, I hear where they're coming from because I know what the thought process is that they're using, which is why I've been able to be uh, very successful at taking people who previously thought that cuddles cured affection and getting them to not talk to their dog for seven days. I have a pro part of my program is seven days of silence where they're not allowed to speak to the dog for seven days. Mm -hmm. Like you have to start detaching certain behaviors that you're doing and then strengthen other ones that you need to do instead. And I can explain it to them and I can get them to do it because I understand the thought process that they're going through. Mm -hmm. And as you are well aware, man, we have to be able to teach and educate humans if we're going to change a dog's life because the dog's easy. Like that's yeah. sure. Leave your dog with me. Give me a month. Give me whatever. Cool. No, yeah. the hard work is the human and overcoming their emotional barriers to change. Yeah. And it's, it's, that's the, that's definitely the toughest part for sure. And I, I, and I think uh, Katie, like I, I did a podcast I just put out today and this will come out probably next week, but um, I hit a wall where I I almost like publicly announced where I'm like I'm done, like I'm and I've I've been doing this for ten years, seven days a week, twelve fourteen hours a day. I mean I've 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 done my fair share of ups and downs, and I'm just to a point where you know when it rains it pours almost like when I get 
with all the dogs that I work with, I, I definitely I would say one to a hundred or a hundred to one of good versus bad, which means I get a hundred people that are so grateful and so appreciative of, of what I do. And then I get that one funky monkey that just is, you know, it just doesn't work out. But um, mm-hmm. it's hard, man, because you're like, example would be, you know, something happening to the dog on an emotional level. of Like, I don't, I don't, yeah, but I don't feel, and, and then you're like, look, you know, you, you hired me to help you and you're not letting me. So this is awkward. And, um, you know, moving forward, I've done it a thousand times. So let's just try to, Let's just try to work through this. But anyway, um, I agree 100%, but there's just walls that I just hit. I'm sure you hit them too. I mean, that's why I made the podcast is because I wanted dog trainers out there to know that everyone hits these walls where you just want to say, you know what? Because you're so mad and you want to just publicly announce, I'm done. Yep, I'm done. I'm I'm done working with with some of these people. And unfortunately, all the dogs that I could have helped in the future aren't going to get maybe some of the help that they need because crazy people exist and that's really selfish for anybody to do. But I mean, um, emotionally that's, I'm, I'm sure you've been there before too, where you're just, you're like, that's, Ab- it. that's absolutely. it. Absolutely. Cause you're confronted. The more you put yourself out there to interact with people. And in the past year and a half, I kind of changed my own directions up with, with, with my business. And I, I went online and started trying to reach more people. And invested a lot of time into the online coaching program I started. And part of that, before I pulled the trigger on it, was I went off into the Facebook groups, which are scary places. Listened to them. And I studied the market. I studied what people's challenges were. And then I started speaking. And then I started interacting. And... Wow. I mean, you are confronted on a daily basis with stuff that boggles your mind, the resistance that people have to information mm-hmm. that I didn't make up. I didn't invent any of this stuff. You know, it's been around forever. You know, it's mm-hmm. trying to get them to understand that they need to put the needs of the dog ahead of their own emotional needs is a very trying very trying practice and it can leave you sometimes where you hang up the phone with a client or you, you leave a client's house. Cause I do a lot of private house calls um, and you walk away and I would just like drive out of the driveway, get around the block to like a gas station or something and just sit there and, and like, I wouldn't even drive. Like mm-hmm. I, it would take 10 to 15 minutes to get it through my head. Like, okay, what just happened there? How can I help this dog? Wait a minute. Like I have to, I have to get through to this person if I want to help the dog. Like at that point, it's like, I don't care about the human at all. I care about the dog, but I, so that means I got to get through that person. And there are some people Mm -hmm. who you can't get through to and it hurts. It, it, It physically hurts you inside and you have to pull over and just sit there and stare for a little bit Mm -hmm. and get your head together and go, I can't let this affect me because I still got, an untold number of dogs in front of me to help. Like mm-hmm. I got to keep going. Yeah. And the, and the good is so, and here's, here's, you know, and, and this is good to, to talk about it cause it helps, but the good outweighs the, the bad always in my book. Always, 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 always. Yep. And, I, and I'm not kidding you when I say, I would say forever, even more for me. I mean, I have probably two clients a year that we have to like go to our attorney and be like, look, you know, we got, we got, 
we got this going on and they're like, oh boy, you know, and it's just, it's just, it's, it's in any business though. That's not in dog training. Yep. That's, that's freaking nope. anywhere. You could, you could cure cancer and somebody would be like, you know what? Um, you just, you know, and it's like, okay, you're that, true. you're that guy. But, but for you and I, and for the majority of professional dog trainers, I hope, but I know for you and me, for sure, we are in it for the dog. And, you know, and it's funny because sometimes my staff will make fun of me because I, I'll, I'll just, people won't pay me. People will just walk out and they're like, did you, cho-? and I'm like, oh shit, I forgot. I, I am so about the dog. I, I have no, it doesn't matter to me success wise financially. Like that's not anything that I ever think about at the end of the day. Um, it's always about the dog and, uh, it's just really hard. And when you do get those people, man, it brings you down like crazy because you're up and up and up and up and you're just killing it and you're and you're you're helping so many people and you're getting all the good feedback and then you'll have one person to be like you know what um all this is your fault um uh give me all my money back and uh, you suck and you're just like but the dog and you want to just like part of you wants to go okay and break it down and just literally go through the whole timeline of I understand why you're upset. I understand why you're mad. But here's like six different reasons why you're just as um, to blame as I am. Um, let's try to work this out because at the end of the day, it's about the dog. And if you lash out and you act on emotion like they are, then you lose and the dog loses. So I, I'm, I agree with you 100%. Um, I think that, I mean, we can probably talk about percentages all day, but so many of the percentage of dogs that are euthanized um, in the United States specifically have have direct direct contact with um, emotional people that are are basing their decisions off emotion. And um, I think also too, KD, and this is something you could talk about that people have the assumption that all dogs need to be like their past dog or their neighbor's dog. Or their mom's dog, or their dog growing up, and and it, I I there's nothing more annoying, and and this sounds like a podcast of just talking shit about all my clients. That's absolutely 100% not true. We are specifically talking about what makes us as dog trainers uh, aggravated that we wish that the the population would know more about ultimately helping their dog. That's what we're doing because um, I'm extremely grateful for for everything that I have and the clients that I work with, and I know you are too, Katie. But um, it really is bothersome when I hear, well, my old dog, my other dog, my past dog, my mom's dog, and it's like, yeah, but what do you have in front of you? All dogs are different. Breeding. I don't even want to get into breeding with you because I know that that's a whole can of worms, but breeding oh, yeah. in the United get States, <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy about the amount of, um, the amount of um, bad breeding we have. And just because you have a golden retriever doesn't mean it's going to be great with everybody. Just because you have, you know, and whatever. And so why don't you talk a little bit about that and how you feel and express how you feel about how people just assume that their dog has to be friendly. Their dog has to go to a dog park. And if their dog doesn't work out in daycare, why they maybe should not get rid of their dog. I mean, that happens. People will I'll say, you know what, um, actually, I think you might want to hire like a local dog walker because I think your dog is a little overwhelmed with the amount of dogs that I have. It actually is kind of rare for a dog to accept and be comfortable with 30 other dogs sniffing their butt at one time. And they'll just, they'll give up. They think that they have a dud and they think that their dog is supposed to be like that. So how do you feel about how people 
assume that their dogs should be a certain way due to either breed or because of the past dogs that they've had? Well, it comes from uh, something they're not doing. And this is it, the, the giant umbrella concept. And I like to say, honor thy dog. And I got t-shirts I'm working on right now that say, <laughs> honor thy dog. I like it. Because that's what's not happening. Look at the dog you have in front of you. And now we can go down the list of ways that you truly need to honor that dog. And it isn't with affection. It's with first understanding it's a dog. Understanding what its mental and physical needs are. In particular, mental. Because the physical needs are easy. From that point, you're already starting off in a good place because you're looking at the dog in front of you. And you're focusing on that animal and it's a dog first and then we can get into the breed which is at this point yeah we won't i won't go down that rabbit hole um but you know a general broad suggestion for possible predispositions and behavior i think i worded that as perfectly as possible so it didn't turn into a conversation um and from there, we have the individual member of that breed, meaning that dog. And how that dog behaves in front of you as a, the factor of, you know, whatever genetics are at play and also what the dog's first eight weeks were like long before it ever got to you. And all of those things, being aware of them. We haven't even done anything yet. We haven't even spoken about what that person is then going to physically do with the dog. Mm -hmm. This is all awareness. This is all information I'm referencing right now. All of that is honoring thy dog. Because all, once you have that information, now you at least know who the dog is. And that's how you start off a relationship that's going to be healthy, is by knowing who they are. And lots of times, the vast majority of times, actually, when I'm trying to teach people about dogs, I don't talk about dogs. And I'm sure you've heard some of them on my live broadcast. Um, I, I really don't like to talk about dogs. I like to talk about relationships because we can get those. Like people get that. And people don't have the emotional objections mm -hmm. to the information. When you take them away from their little dog, and let's talk about dating. Let's be frank. And, you know, obviously when I'm on my channel, I'm a little more graphic. Um, I'm very edited right now. Uh, so, you know, if we were to think about how we interact with others in a romantic dating situation, you know, it's how do you show someone you're interested in them? Do you talk about yourself for 30 minutes straight? No, that's not a good first impression. If you really want, like, are interested in somebody, like you really, really sincerely like them, what do you find yourself doing? Asking them questions, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you want to know everything about them. What's your favorite? Can you, you have those four hour long conversations till three in the morning where you're asking them what their favorite cartoon was when they were seven. Yeah. Because you really want to know. Mm -hmm. You really want to know what their favorite candy is or their favorite cereal, all of that. That's honoring that relationship and really wanting to know everything there is to know about that person. So then moving forward, you're educated on how you can best fulfill them. 
Mm-hmm. Why do we do that with humans? Why do we do that with people we sincerely care about and want to be a part of their life? But we don't do that with the dog. We take the dog and we say, I want you to be just like the last one. Or how come this dog doesn't behave like my last dog? Or why doesn't this dog behave like my neighbor's dog? Well, imagine, let's substitute that with girlfriend or boyfriend. Right. Why don't you behave like my last boyfriend? Why don't you behave like my friend's boyfriend? (laughs) Now that's absurd, isn't it? When you change those words, it suddenly becomes absurd. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. Think, and to everyone who's listening, I want you to do it. I want you to say it out loud. I want you to hear yourself saying it. And I want you to feel the absurdity. And then think about how you interact with your dog. Yeah, it's not even comparable. I mean, it's not even fair. I mean, when people say that to me, it's like, oh, my last golden, or, you know, my last. And, and it's, I just, I just want to walk into a wall and just fall over and just. Just because it's such a waste of a of a session, it's such a waste of even a conversation to have, and I and sometimes I sometimes I just nod my head and say and act like it never happened, because <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to wear that I'm frustrated by that. But it's true, man. It's 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 such a it's such a thing. And I think the overall conversation um, that we're having is is I mean you're ta- you're you know as as a listener, um, you're talking to to two people that you know, work with dogs. I mean, and that's, that's what this podcast is about is just having a conversation about our experiences. And uh, if people can pull away a couple things from it and learn and laugh, I mean, that's, that's what's important. And I think that it's important to understand that, you know, between you and I, we, we, um, you know, we work with a lot of dogs and we see a lot of dogs from all over the place and with different people and things like that. And, you know, I, I would, again, I would, I would much rather listen to somebody who's a practitioner instead of, yeah, but I don't feel it's like, well, why don't you just listen to somebody who actually does it or has done it? And and I wanna also mention, um when uh when myself or for I can speak for myself for sure that uh, when we talk about purely positive reinforcement, um, I want people to know that it sh- when we're talking about that, it, it really is talking about the people who are only purely positive. This isn't people who use positive reinforcement because I think the assumption of some of the public, KD, maybe you can shed some light on this too, is when when I train, I always say this in my in my sessions on YouTube, so if you follow me on YouTube, you'll hear this. I always say I want to be like 95% purely positive. Like I want to be almost all positive, but there is that 5% that has to live here I mean that has to exist to to have a dynamical relationship with an animal and to to have a have a thought in your mind that there's going to be no structure and no boundaries in place I, I I don't I don't see that as 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 even not only not happening but logical like I can't ever grasp that and for me this isn't about me being tribal and true to my what what, what we call balanced dog training uh, style this is literally like me saying, listen, I've tried so many different ways of dog training and I've watched a lot of people do it. I do what's the fastest, most humane, most effective, most, because we only have as dog trainers, we only have a little bit of time compared to this dog's life with their owners and we got to make sure it counts. And so I, I wanted to just um, state that, that when we talk about purely positive reinforcement training, it's not that all we do is is run around and correct dogs and have them fear us that's that's actually the opposite of what we do we just believe that there has to be a little bit of a balance in the relationship as well 
Absolutely. Uh, what people need to really understand is that the, and I'm using air quotes here, purely positive or force-free, those are the two catchy terms, they are not training methods. P- positive reinforcement only isn't a training method. What all of that is, they are ideologies. And an ideology is a notion, is a concept, is a, a way of thinking that is unquestionably adhered to regardless of its objective validity. And that's what those concepts have become. And when people hear these terms, it sounds good. And it's understandable why it does sound good. I mean, wouldn't that be wonderful? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think any balanced trainer would argue that if it was possible, that I, if there was a world where I didn't have to say no, right? I guess that would be cool. I mean, no one's going to argue that no idea, doubt. but the fact is, yeah. it's not real. No doubt. And the purely positive application, and every application I've seen it, and I've engaged in many, many dialogues, and I, I use the word dialogue <laughs> loosely, with individuals who subscribe to this ideology. And I did it as a way of learning. Like I wanted to hear, Mm -hmm. please educate me because maybe I'm missing something and I need to grow. Oh, I always need to grow, but maybe you can teach me Mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, when it started to come into reality and application and what's going to be best for the dog, a lot of things started falling through. And the, the irony is this, and this kind of comes full circle to you bringing this up. I am not a purely positive trainer. I am not a force free trainer. Yet I use positive reinforcement, the vast, overwhelming, ridiculous majority of the time. Right. In, in my interactions. Yeah. And the people who say they're purely positive, watch how they interact with the dog in the real world. Mm-hmm. They say they're not, they're not using force. I see a whole lot of force. I see a whole lot of physical manipulation because they are simply unable to get the dog to make the right choice. Mm-hmm. So they then have to physically manipulate the dog, use a lot of force on a harness and on a collar to keep that dog from getting where it really wants to go because you never taught it how to deal with the environmental stress. Or the dog lives in the confines of a fence or a living room because it can't handle the outside world because you didn't appropriately teach it how. So I see a lot of force with the force-free group and here I use all like tons of positive reinforcement, but I'm a bad guy because I say purely positive is an ideology and doesn't translate into the real world. Um, conversations like what you and I are having, this is how we educate people and get them to at least think and ask more questions. Yeah. I, I see that as the ultimate goal of, of this entire conversation you and I are having is if one person hears this and says, wait a minute, I always thought it was like this, but what you guys just said made me think, maybe I need more information. Win, right there, win, we won. We got one person to think mm-hmm. or ask a question. We're not trying to win anybody over or get, you must think what we think. No, just start questioning things that perhaps you hadn't questioned before mm-hmm. and realize there might be more to it. That's the biggest first step at helping improve your relationship with your dog. Yeah, I, I, I agree to that, to that, all of that, all of that was good. And 
I agree a hundred percent. Like when I get that message and I'm getting them more now, cause I'm like you said, it, uh, be careful. And in my last podcast, I tell, I say, be careful what you wish for. You want to be known. You want to be out there. You want people to know who you are and what you do and be successful and, and all that fun stuff. Be careful what you wish for because you're opening, you're opening up a can of worms. And I'm, I am very open on, on social media and, um, I expose myself uh, a lot and that obviously opens me up to a lot of, uh, vulnerability and of course criticism, which is totally fine. But I see a lot more good than bad by an absolute, like not even close of a of a shot i mean so much good stuff happens from from what i do on social media as far as helping dogs and people understanding it and consuming the information but the best email or the comment i get of people being against tools and watching one of my videos and telling me about it is like the best ammunition ever because they've they've been i i put on uh this this one girl um from i forgot where she was but she said it's illegal here and i said well you know, in your country, uh, women were just allowed to drive like last year. So there's there's a difference in, in in the way that the governments are ran. You can't just say that because things are illegal here that that doesn't prove a lot. That just proves that you guys are not progressing in what you should be progressing in, and you not taking advantage of the technology that um, that we have for your dogs is a decision that you're making, not not something that's right or wrong. Um, but anyway, moving forward. Um, I think that it is really important for people to understand that there's other things out there and um, you shouldn't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't, there's, there's huge marketing things out there of n- natural, force-free. In almost all my videos, I always say, this isn't the only way, this isn't the right way, this is just my way. I mean, I'm going to show you a before and after of a real-life dog right now, the whole thing, and you decide. I don't, you know, if, if it works, great. If it doesn't, sorry, move on. Um, and, and, and that particular person does the same thing on social media where she just, and I'm, and again, you and I aren't really bashing the other, the other side, if you will. We're just saying like people need to do the research. There's a time and a place for most of this stuff. Um, but don't, don't be fooled by marketing because of course, like you said, everybody wants, if I could train a dog that wants to kill, uh, another dog through love and kisses, sure I would, cause it would be easier, but that just doesn't happen. So uh, anyway, in conclusion, I think that we can talk all day about um, what we feel and how we how we do things. But I think that this was a great conversation, and uh, I appreciate your time. Um, just so everybody knows, uh, Katie and I had done a, a semi-slash-podcast uh, like two years ago or a year and a half ago, whenever it was. Um, yeah. Katie had reached out and said, hey, man, like what you do. I saw some of your videos. I'm going to be in town with a buddy. I'd like to come over and meet you. I said, yeah, sure. That's that's cool. And that's how I am with everybody. Um, you know, regardless of, of whatever, I'm, I'm down. And I'm just a I'm just a guy that knows inheritedly um, a lot about dogs. And it's something I feel good about. And people pay me for my information. And I enjoy my life. But um, so I'm down for most of that. And uh, we went out and had some beers at a local uh, brewery. I, yeah, I had too many. Yeah, <laughs> and, I had way too many. And um, the podcast just turned into um, just uh, like a drinking competition, I think. And uh, anyway, so I'm glad that we got to uh, soberly. Anyway, I'm sober. I don't know what you're doing over there, mixing up some. I'm completely, man. Yeah, I learned my lesson after that last time. And for everyone listening, like I actually, the other, like, gosh, like a week or two ago, I, I had to apologize Tom, because the podcast never aired, had to explain to him why. And now I'm doing it for everyone just because it's like that apology means that much to me. But we did sit down 
And we got so carried away. I got so carried away having a great time talking about dogs that, you know, starting to air a podcast after five, <laughs> four or five, at least 10% beers, I come to find out that's not a good idea and you shouldn't <laughs> do that. And I never aired it. I finally had a uh, call time the other day and be like, hey, by the way, man, I'm sorry that never aired. I have all the footage. I tried to edit as much as possible. It's still pretty rough because I was really intoxicated. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but to, to go on that, it was just a great experience. And we talked to dogs for like four hours straight, starting at your place, like till we went to the other place, like just nonstop dog conversations. And that's, that's awesome. I don't know about you, but for me, it's refreshing because I, I spend a lot of my time having conversations with pet owners and trying to help them and trying to educate them. Yeah. And that's like, over 80% of my dog conversations are that. Mm -hmm. So when you get the opportunity to maybe bounce ideas off somebody, share some experiences, learn something new, it's really refreshing. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, that's it. I mean, my entire life is, is, has been, um, you know, talking to dog owners and helping dogs and it is really refreshing to, that's why we made the podcast because it helps me open up doors for, um, dog owners to gain some information. And to be honest, like I love, listening on any industry in any level listening to two people in their own profession talk about things because it's so intriguing to me of like what do you think do you feel the same are you going to argue about it are you going to agree with each other um and i and it's so nice to be able to to bring this to this platform and 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 talk because for me like i love going on youtube and just listening to like you know actors talk to each other or athletes or um yep. those types of things i think it's just so intriguing and so that's that's good that we you know we got together on the on the on the podcast and um i'll continue to to send uh, spam your way on your instagram and hopefully you enjoy <laughs> hopefully you enjoy those uh um those types of spam things that i always send you because those are fun but anyway man i always do and i try to send them right back <laughs> <laughs> Uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you and we'll sign off and do this again at another time. Absolutely. Um, I'm easy to find on Instagram. K letter K letter D Matthews with one T KD Matthews. Um, my webpage is the same kdmatthews.com. And also I just uh, started a new webpage for my new business. That's going to be opening up sometime this summer. Socratic canine like socrates socratic canine c-a-n-i-n-e.com you can go there now and bookmark it because there's going to be a lot of really awesome content coming out there in the near future awesome man well i appreciate it like i said follow kd um you can expect to have him as i go through my podcast guests i'm going to recycle them out um every once in a while so we'll we'll do this again sometime and Give him a follow. Check him out. He's he's very blunt and honest and downright hysterical. When he ever goes live, I just sit back, crack a beer, and just listen because it's great. So if you want some good entertainment, good entertainment and um, some dog knowledge, give him a follow. And KD, I appreciate you taking your time out with me today. Congratulations on the new house and continue to do what you do. And uh, I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation with you. And I'm going to get back to painting. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you later. All right, thank you so much. Yeah, man. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to that episode with my buddy KD. I hope it gave you information. I hope you learned something. I hope you laughed. I know I did. KD's a great guy. KD, thank you so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. We'll do it again soon. If you haven't yet, leave me a review on my podcast platform, on your podcast platform, rather, on this No Bad Dogs podcast and let people know what you think. We were recently rated one 
actually the number one dog training podcast on the podcast platform. So uh, that was a study that was put out. Uh, I can't remember the company that did it, but there were some pretty big names on there. So thank you guys so much for listening to me and, and supporting the podcast and supporting anything else that I do. If you haven't yet, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Uh, you just have to search Upstate Canine Academy in the YouTube thing. Subscribe, turn on your notifications. You can follow me on Instagram at Tom Davis. And I'm going to try to post as many videos as I can on my YouTube in the next couple weeks. So definitely check that out. And I'll talk to you guys next time here in the podcast. Thank you. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.